1: Most phantasmagorical musical entertainment in the history of everything. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a magical car, a craft that sails the seas, a flying machine that speeds through the air. Yes. Ah! Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is an Ian Fleming story. Born as Bond was making screen history. Peopled by a galaxy of characters and every one of them a star. The inimitable Dick Van Dyke as as pots. Truly scrumptious. You too are truly scrumptious. Sally Ann Howe. As truly scrumptious. <laughs> Posh Lionel Jeffries as Grandpa Potts. Order out, starboard out, with the capital Posh. Push. It's a joyful entertainment. There are marvelous the car. characters. that TAR! Oh, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it! Gert Frober, <laughs> Anna Quayle, uh, Benny Hill. Uh, James Robertson Justice, Robert Helpman, and a dozen or so bang, bang up numbers. Toot sweet. Toot. Sweet. Toot. Sweet. Above. It is what is meant by funfair. It's Tickled. You always say like that, Cyril. It's every tale you ever grew up with. A Lullaby on a hushaby Mountain. Remember the title. It's not chitty chitty bark bark. It's chitty chitty bang bang. It's not chitty chitty boing boing. It's chitty chitty bang bang. The film that will need a new dictionary of superlatives. We repeat, it's the most phantasmagorical musical entertainment in the history of everything.
2: Das ist Jochen Maas, hallo und Sie hören Nostalgik, Radio und Autos, wunderbar.
0: in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk, yeah, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. Hello, hello from the other side of the, the safe side of the glass. Well, yes, my, uh, my, my son and uh, co-producer here is now producing tonight. <laughs> for this evening. Yeah, he is uh, in the driver's seat. He is driving the show. I am just, uh, I'm the navigator. Yes, yes. Or is it the other way around? I'm not sure. Do
2: you know how to drive a radio station?
0: I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to have some fun tonight. We've got a great guest for you this evening. Um, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. Uh, I think we're actually going to go back to the 80s a little bit. We've got some 80s music for you. And, uh, you know, we play, we generally, if you've tuned into the show, you know, you know, we play a little bit of rock music and we always have some interesting guests on and we're kind of about cars and music and, uh, our cars and guitars, you know, we kind of, those are our two passions. I say, um, of course, family being number one, right, Bobby? Mhm. Absolutely. And um, but anyway, so from the hobby side, and so we try to have a fair amount of car guys on here, whether they are you know well-known celebrities or whether they're just uh, the guy down the street, uh, like myself, just uh, your average wrench or tinker and tinker's helper, right, Bobby? Yes, Tinker's assistant. Tinker's assistant. At any rate, uh, and then we have some local musicians. I got a number of guys that listen all the time. Big shout out to Mike. Mike uh, and uh, our go way back and do good old days when we used to all hang out at Naughty Dancies and kind of do our little live, uh, what do we call those things? Open mic nights and uh, yep. have some fun and play some guitar. In fact, yeah, I was talking to the guy that's got the shop next to me, and I don't, you know, it's a sixth sense. It's kind of like cars. You know how you look at somebody and you go, I wonder if that guy's in the cars and uh he said hey you know because they have they have a look about them, you know it's so the same thing with a musician you know a musician has a look or somebody that collects guitars or somebody that collects anything you know there's this it's like a sixth sense. those of us that are into it it's kind of like you know you go in that direction and um so i was talking i was at, a sh- at my uh, little warehouse this afternoon and the guy in the shop next to me he was getting in his car and i thought i had this funny feeling of sixth sense. i said hey i wonder if brian's on the guitars so i walk over and I go hey Brian uh, you ever run across guys with uh, vintage guitars? He goes, uh, "Yes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. He says, I used to collect them. My mom had a pawn shop, and we used to get guitars all the time. And I go, no way. I said, uh, he goes, yeah, what are you into? And I said, well, I'm kind of like, you know, I like old Strats and SGs and Fender Mustangs and stuff. He goes, oh, I'm a real Gibson guy. I got a bunch of Strats. So he pulls out his phone and starts showing me all these really cool Gibson SGs. And Gibson SGs is kind of like the Batwing-looking kind of thing that Tommy Iommi plays, and Robbie Krieger, Frank Zappa played it. Um... And a number of guys like that, and uh, I'm trying to think, somebody, who else played that? Well, Krieger's probably the most well-known. And um, just a really, really cool guitar. Clapton paid him. Uh, Jimi Hendrix played a, uh, an SG. Richie Blackmore played an SG at one time, you know, once or twice. Usually ES-335s, which is the big hollow bodies. But anyway, so it's really kind of funny how you just kind of run into people. And, uh, and you get a six cent. Same thing with cars, you know. I mean, once in a while, you know. It's kind of like if you wear a shirt and your shirt says car, has got a Chevrolet on it or a Ford or a Porsche or a BMW or you know, Ferrari or something like that, Lamborghini, you know, and of course ours has a Lamborghini on the back of a 350 GT, it's weird how, no, it's not weird, that's basically advertising, okay, it's kind of like the guys that wear sports shirts, yeah. you know, but that's the first clue, but the other thing, the sixth sense, even if you see some guy just walking around, you know, kind of tooling around, you just never know, you know, through a parking lot or something like that, you know, um, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting, and um, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh,
2: yeah, am not sure either.
0: But you know, that's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> hey, you got any uh, cool little sound uh, well, effects?
2: Well, you were just uh, you were just saying that you know that's how you can spot a spot a musicians, spot a spot a car enthusiast. You know, yeah, that's, you that's just basically you know, the point
0: there. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never judge a book by its cover, you know. And. uh oh,
3: let me come up. I'm sorry. I gotta call you back.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, the good thing is I'm on FLACarShows.com, and we got a whole slew of car shows. I see that uh, Quaker State's back on their deal. Um, the uh, what's that thing up in Orlando called? Uh, what, well, at, there's at the, the um, villages got their event this right. weekend. There's, and a the of sh- there's
2: a couple cars. There's a couple cars and coffees there. There's a um, there's a couple of days cafe, but then there's also um, you know there's Orlando Cars and Coffees, Cars and Coffee of Central Florida. And a few others scattered around the area. So yeah, Old yeah.
0: Town. Old Town's back on the on the schedule here, so that's good. So you know, and, but and keep uh, keep
2: telling Tara what what's going on with your event, so where so she can uh, advertise it correctly.
0: Yep, that's the best place to go. So you go to car, Florida, car and you can find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida. And I'm sure that if you're from another state, whether you're from Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, you know Michigan, uh, Chicago, or Illinois, uh, California, someplace like that, I'm sure they got stuff going on there too as well. But anyway, so for our Florida guys, you know it's FLACarShows.com. Uh, Bobby, let's go to some. Let's go back in time here a little bit since I was cars, just say, cars are like time machines. Right. So let's just kind of like diddy back. And I don't own any '80s cars, but
2: okay. uh, oh, So we should play the cassette player tonight. Yeah, let's, wait, go, wait, let's, wait, let's, wait, let's, let's go. Let's go to the, the 80s. Well, speaking
0: of because speaking of car, yeah, we just sold our last 80 car. We had an 88, 9 Porsche 9. What was I thing? 951, which is basically a 944 Turbo, and that's uh, on its way to Charleston, South Carolina right now. So a big shout out to uh, Kevin, who's probably tooling down 301. He's probably close to Atlanta by now. And, uh, but anyway, hey, so let's play a little Tears for Fears. Now, the reason I like this song is because uh, the lead singer in there drives a Austin Healey MK33000 BJ8 Series 2. And my first car was a 3000 Healey. So I have a thing for this song. Hey, you're tuning in to, to uh, oh, yeah, Nostalgia Freedom Car. Don't touch that down. We'll be right back. Here's a little Tears for Fears. Let's go back to 1982. <laughs>
2: In Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery. 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunneanbrewery.com.
0: Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And uh, where was I going with this before? Oh, wait, we we're talking about songs, music, and guitars, and cars, and our uh, Porsche that's on its way to uh, um, uh, South Carolina, Charleston, as a matter of fact. But anyway, yeah, Porsches are cool cars. I, I am got to admit I'm kind of pretty much a Porsche guy. In fact, that's going to be the topic of this evening's show. We're going to have a gentleman on. Later, it'll be a surprise, as always. And uh, unless they're an alumni I guess. If they've been an alumni guest, then we'll go ahead and we'll reveal who it is. But if it's a new person, you know, a new guest, then you know we usually save the best for last, as they say. And um, but I started out with nine uh, elevens, and then I went to nine twenty eights, and then I went to well, I'm somewhere in lone air I got into three fifty sixes, so I always was messing around with three fifty sixes. I actually wanted the three fifty six before now my first car really was really going to be a Shelby. Actually, I liked Lincoln's. I liked all kinds of cars, but you know how it is when you're a kid and you're 16 years old. You're kind of fickle, and uh, and so you're kind of influenced by what your neighbors had. Same thing with music. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I, my dad kind of. Uh, Coerced me. No, no, I'm not going to say that. He uh, basically made sure I played the piano. That's why I started out playing. But then, you know, 60s, growing up in Northern Cal, kind of a little rebellious. uh, And everybody was into guitars and music and rock and roll and the Beatles and all that kind of stuff and Rolling Stones and The Doors and everything. So we were kind of influenced by uh, rock and roll. So anyway, uh, a lot of garage bands. You know, everybody had uh, a garage band. Drums, sets, and guitars. And so, you know, we're the younger kids, you know, the older brothers and sisters. So naturally, we'd kind of go in the garage when nobody was around and start beating around on their instruments. And that's... How you kind of get hooked on it, which is kind of cool. So it's the same thing with the cars and the cars in the area. And we were up in Northern California, so Laguna Se- or uh, Sonoma Sears Point Raceway, which is uh, Sears Point, which is uh, oh uh, Mazda. No, no uh, I can't Sears Point, which I'm trying to can't even think of the name right now. My uh, Sears Point is uh, God, no, I
2: can't uh, went it. It used to be
0: in but it was it's uh, Sears Point, which is is. Uh, Gosh, I can't believe I can't even think of the name. Of oh, it. hang on, somebody'll test me. But anyway, so I used to, we, it was, since we were near the road race course, there there was a lot of sports cars, you know. So that's why I was kind of I got I was kind of influenced by sports cars relatively early on, and but all, there was a lot of muscle cars. I mean, hot rods, street rods, stuff like that. That was just huge. Sonoma race, Sonoma. Right. Ra- no, boy, I should have thought about that because my my colleague oh. was named Sonoma. Oh, and Sonoma was know. the next county up from Marin County, so, so it's, it's not Marin- very nostalgic. Radio in I know, <laughs> I know. Hey, this it's real. It's live, and it's radio. So. <laughs> And, and we, we get, have computers, so and we, we can look computer. this stuff yeah, up 200 yeah.
2: megabits per second. Okay, wow. so
0: Sonoma Raceway, but in the old days it was called Sears Point, and then it became Sonoma, and then it went to Sears Point. Well, I don't know. Oh, that's old Finney problems. and then Sonoma. Yeah, we still call it. Um, it's just kind of like Laguna Seca. It's still Laguna Seca, even though they have all kinds of names for it. At any rate... So that's how I got influenced by that. But anyway, so uh, as I got a little older, a lot of kids in school, you know, they had MGBs or you had Mustangs, Camaros, Firebirds, you know, on uh, occasionally you had a kid that had a Jag and they had a. Kid, and keep in mind, these were older cars back in the '70s, so you can buy them relatively cheap, you know, a couple grand, you know, or less, and um, even Cobras. Believe it or not, you can buy those for five, six, seven hundred bucks. They were sitting around; they didn't work, but you know, they were out there. Anyway, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to go uh, enough talking about cars. Let's get into some real meat here in a minute when I get my guests on the show. So... <laughs> But that's that's how it works. You kind of get you gravitate to what you were influenced by when you were a kid, you know, because all you're know, when you're a kid, you're impressionable. So you know, and those impressions stay with you uh, for a lifetime, and uh, and 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 they become passions, and you know, you aspire to achieve those passions, right, Bobby? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so let's anyway, go to Ice House. Let's go to little Ice House. We're back to the '70s. No, '80s. We're in the '80s somewhere. '87 it says. 1987. Okay. Wow. We just jumped up a few years. Okay. So uh, this is a little Ice House by. Uh, no. What's this called? This is. Uh, uh, I like the blue. Yep. 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 All right. So hey, here's a cassette. <laughs> here's a cassette. Okay. You're tuned into to Nostalgia Reading, Cars. We'll no, touch no. We'll be right back with our special guest. It's got to be on the freighter by dawn. No problem. Order's complete? Yeah, well, we're going to be a couple stingers short. That's the most important item. Not to mention the most expensive. Come on, what's going on? The whole order's been prepaid. Hey, talk to Kleiser. He's marketing on distribution. Yeah, but you see, the boat sails tomorrow. Well, I'll make it up to you any way you want. Grenades, mortars. How about some biologicals? What's that? Chemical warfare shells.
1: I'll tell you what, you lob a couple of those babies into Joe and that'll get their attention.
2: Stingers, pal. Stingers. That's what we ordered, that's what we paid for, that's what
0: we want. These are dated 1980. So? So? Do we look like we just fell off a cabbage truck or what?
2: They've been on the shelf six years.
0: So what? The Missouri was 45 years old. Lebanese didn't know the difference. How do I know these are gonna go bang? You worried about that? Yeah. I think that's a reasonable concern. So,
1: That psycho of yours blew up a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of money. Hey there, this is John Oates, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce. I have to laugh because I remember seeing it. That was a a clip from Miami Vice, but it was a good one when they blew up Crockett's uh, 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 pseudo Ferrari Daytona. But anyway, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, who's a big fan of Miami Vice, I might add. He is the manager for Porsche Classic Market Development. He's also the curator of the Heritage Gallery inside the Porsche Experience. At Atlanta, which is the old Coca-Cola factory, believe it or not, I think, or Ford factory. No, Ford factory, I think, yeah. In uh, At Porsche Cars of North America, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Ray Schaefer. Ray, how you doing, buddy?
3: Hey, Robert, I'm doing great. How are you tonight?
0: Pretty good. So, uh, I know you're a big Miami Vice fan, so we did a little Miami Vice intro here for you.
3: <laughs> yeah, love that, love that. Grew up watching that show in the 80s. Of course, my favorite episode had to be the one that featured the Miami Grand Prix with all those gorgeous IMSA GTP cars, with the 962 Porsches in particular. You remember that episode?
0: You know, I do, and I should have thought about that one because that would have been probably a good clip to play. And uh, that was, yeah, that was an interesting show. Um, so that is a, is a great. Great story behind that one. Yeah, wasn't that something to do? It had something to do with the driver, right? Something on, on that episode, and uh, I can't remember. It was a driver? It, and... it
3: did. It did. And yeah, um, it did. And if you ever, if you ever have, um, if you ever have our friend Kevin Jeanette on the show, he can tell you all about the uh, story because it involved a uh, a certain Florida nine hundred six, a Carrera six, a very rare car, but uh, let him tell you
0: that story. Okay, yeah, Kevin Jeanette is uh, involved with Gunner Racing. He's very well known for his racing background. I think he used to do some stuff out in California. He's basically a wrench, you will, or a, a a car, you know, team owner, manager, uh, does all kinds of stuff with Porsches. But right now, I think his big claim to fame is he's involved with uh, the restoration of very rare Porsches, 906s, 904s, 917s, 908s, and things like that. To which... You are in charge of the Heritage Gallery inside the Porsche Experience Center there. So tell us a little bit about what's going on up there at Porsche, uh, Porsche Cars of North America, and their Porsche Classic. Classic.
3: Yeah, Porsche Classic. Yeah, I mean that is um, since I since I left Brumos and went up to uh, coming up on five years ago went went to uh, Porsche in Atlanta, the headquarters, which is as you pointed out inside the. Experience Center Atlanta, that's at one Porsche drive. Uh, I work inside the division known as Porsche Classic, which keeps our brand heritage on the road. Uh, we're basically serving all the owners' cars within the Classic lineup, uh, which today is everything from the 356 models all the way up to the Carrera GT. And uh, in short, Porsche Classic, we basically focus on three areas. We start all with the genuine Classic Porsche parts which is expert service at our dealerships and 11 U.S. Porsche Classic partners. And finally, the Porsche Classic Factory Restoration, which we have the only facility for that outside of Stuttgart right there in the workshop at Atlanta. So that's sort of the the headquarters for Porsche Classic here in the U.S., if you will. The Heritage Gallery is an extension of that and is also part of the visitor experience when you come up to the Experience Center. Uh, and inside there, that's where we celebrate the history and heritage of Porsche. So you can see revolving exhibits. We like to keep them about six months, and then we'll change out the display with another theme, so that visitors that come back have a chance to uh, to learn more and to keep seeing different uh, variety and, and learning about not only the um, the cars, whether they be street or racing models, but sometimes the engineers behind them, the designers, the people that made them famous. Or just the people that enjoy driving them, people like you and me.
0: You uh, the exhibits on now, and so what is the theme? Because I think you have uh, um, a car that's from this area. It's a local car. Uh, it is now anyway. The uh, yellow nine nine six killer B, which is owned by uh, a friend of ours, and that car you sold originally to yes. Harley Haywood, and, and when you were at Brumas, right?
3: Yeah, that actually is a, is a great story, because when you're putting together these exhibits inside a space like the Heritage Gallery at the P.E.C. Atlanta, you have to, um, you, you can't always just fly something over from the Porsche Museum in Germany. We do that on, on occasion, but typically there's so many Porsches here in the United States that, that I work with significant collectors and, and private individuals who are willing to share their Porsche with us so that we can tell a story. And right now, we're celebrating 20 years of the Porsche track experience. And to do that, there's a certain storyline that you have in mind. We go all the way back to the mid-1950s when Husky von Hanstein and actually Max Hoffman, the importer for Porsche cars at the time, had the idea to, uh, to give Porsche drivers a taste of what racing Porsche was like. And so he arranged with uh, von Hanstein to have a 550 Spider up in Connecticut, brought to one of the racetracks. And so that was the first sort of driving experience we had where Porsche owners could get a chance to see what a race car was all about. And then we fast forward and we jump over a lot of time, but that story is told on the timeline wall that's there in the Experience Center. But then on the platform, we actually introduced the idea of 20 years ago, which just happened to be the start of the Porsche track experience. Uh, at the time, it was called the Porsche Driving Experience, I believe, and it took place at Road Atlanta. But in the brochure, there was a speed yellow 996 coupe. You know, the 996 was brand new at the time. It was the first ever water-cooled 911 generation. And on the cover of the brochure was a speed yellow 996 coupe. And we wanted to illustrate that. Of course, the car has some graphics on it, what have you, from the school. Well, we wanted to illustrate that part of the story with an actual car. And so it popped into my mind, as you pointed out, that 20 years ago, I just so happened to be at Brumos and I was selling Porsches, and I had a chance to um, take that car, which was Hurley Haywood's um, own personal driver at the time. Uh, he had ordered that car. It was a Speed Yellow Tiptronic with the sport design wheels, just a great a great um, specification for the car. and the owner of that car who i sold it to at the time our our mutual friend uh, she still has the car Mm -hmm. and is so kind to share that car with us that she drove it all the way up to atlanta so we could put it on display of course we put the graphics on it so that we could give it that look just like in the brochure so that people who remember that 20 years ago who had went to the school can come to this exhibit and see this this 996 there today maybe have some great memories looking back what they did 20 years ago, is, as you know, we have a lot of people that come back and continue their education in driving uh, expertise, and so for them that may have been the start of it, and and because of her help, we were able to uh, to beautifully illustrate that with with uh, that rather historic now nine nine six coupe that um, that you and I both know so well.
0: Tell us about some of the other cars in this particular exhibit. So how many cars, does it does it vary from exhibit to exhibit how many cars you're going to have on display?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll change from display to display.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so in this case, we've got 20 years of the Porsche track experience. So that means we actually include a Cayenne because it's the first time we ever did off-road driver training at the mm. Barber Motorsports Park back in 2003 and 2004. So we needed to show that with a Cayenne, and, and we've got that there as well, first-generation Cayenne. Uh, then in 2011, 2012, we added the Porsche Cup School, where where Porsche drivers actually had a chance to get behind the wheel of a real racing 911 GT3 Cup, and so we wanted to illustrate that in a real the form of a real car. And then finally, today, with the brand-new 992, the latest generation of 911, we're able to exhibit that. As well, So you can see the whole sweep of the, from the 1950s all the way up till today, this uh, engineering drivers is what we call the exhibit, because that's really what it's, what it's all about. And so folks can come in, see memorabilia. We've got a, a film that was made that's playing in our theater there. So there's really a lot you can learn about it. And then in, in the same space, on the other side of the hall, we have a GT1, 2, 3, and 4 theme. So we have this beautiful GT car theme. That run uh, with um, the G99, which was a car that was a tribute to a GT1 that was built right there in Florida by Kevin Jeanette, who we talked about a little bit earlier. We have that car there. It was uh, raced by Paul Newman back in the day. Uh, He was one of the drivers, Chad McQueen and Milton Inter, another uh, Porsche great. And then, of course, the GT2, the GT3, and the GT4, which is the Cayman series cars, Uh, there is a whole exhibit of these wonderful GT cars there. And that's just the upstairs. When you go downstairs into where we have our motorsport theme area, then down there you'll see one of the Porsche Indy cars, the 1989 chassis, which is very similar to the one that um, won the mid-Ohio IndyCar race back in 1989. We have right now the Lowenbrow Special, the Porsche 962. That just happened to appear in that Miami Vice episode that we were talking about. Mm. That's on display right now. And um, we also have on, on loan from Bobby Rahal's collection out of Chicago, we have a Carrera 6, which is the 906 that um, is very similar to the car that appeared in that Miami Vice episode. This particular car actually ran the Targa Florio in Italy back oh. in 1966, and it's just a beautiful example.
0: Speaking of which, um, you and Bobby Hall are pretty good friends as well, and I know you, you have a podcast. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about your podcast and some of the guests that have been on your podcast and how people can find out more about what you've got going on there.
3: Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. You know, this this is something that started out uh, not, not – um, there wasn't really a whole lot of intention behind it in the very beginning, but a few months ago, uh, as the COVID-19 uh, started to take hold and everybody was at uh, stay-at-home orders and what have you, I uh, Was having a conversation with Cam Ingram. He's the owner of Road Scholars up in uh, Durham, North Carolina, and we were we were lamenting the the fact that we were going to miss talking to so many of the people that we love to see uh, at all the shows that we go to every year. You know, um, we just came back from the a... but then, as you know, events like Pebble Beach and uh, Lufka Cult, which is a portrait only show that um, had been delayed from from May. Now it's it's hoping to happen in November. Excuse me. So we were really talking about, boy, you know, we're going to miss not only all these wonderful shows that we go get to speak to folks, but also the cars and coffee and the local scene just getting out on the weekend. And so we just decided that on Saturday morning we would do an Instagram live at 11 o'clock in the morning. That way for our friends out on the West Coast, they'd have a chance to be up and have a cup of coffee with us as we got caught up on what was going on that week. Uh, between his shop in North Carolina and our shop in the Porsche Classic and the Experience Center. And so that, that kind of kicked off. We had just decided to pick a topic one day talking about different Le Mans races. 1998 was the one that I talked about uh, because that was kind of the year that I started officially with Porsche. And so um, just so happens that one of the people that was listening in was Stefan Ortelli, one of the drivers who actually won the race for Porsche in 1998, that beautiful GT1 race car, and so uh, he wanted to come on and talk about it. And we were going to do a three-way discussion about that. But then we quickly discovered you can't have three people on an Instagram live stream. So out of that whole idea, we just decided that we would we would do our own video podcast, so we could have these conversations that allow us to go into great detail about maybe one specific topic, maybe two. But our work daily, mine at Porsche Classic and Cam's at Road Scholars, require us to do a daily deep dive into Porsche history, go down the rabbit hole, basically, if you will. And so we just decided that um, we would talk to different people, and we would specifically talk about one subject or maybe two subjects. So in the case of Bobby Rahal, you mentioned, uh, a lot of people know him as the IndyCar champion that he is the Indy 500 winner, I believe three time IndyCar champion. Um, and maybe some folks don't realize, you know, he's a Porsche family man, basically. His father raced a, a Carrera 6 back in the 60s and uh, was quite the amateur racer. Uh, won his class at Sebring in 1970 uh, as an amateur. And Bobby was the second of what is now three generations of racing Ray Halls, And so we wanted to have him on and really just talk about his dad. Talk about how he got involved with Porsche. And then, of course, Bobby won Daytona in 1981 in a 935, and he won the 12 Hours of Sebring in 1987 in a 962. And, of course, he had quite an IMSA career uh, driving the 962 and other sports cars. And so we really just wanted to focus on that part of the Porsche history. So what we've been doing about every other week is we've been posting up a, um, a video podcast. that's about an hour long, and it's a deep track. Uh, fresh brewed and air-cooled deep tracks uh, history that we go down. Today we actually just spoke with uh, Tony Hatter from Porsche Design. He's responsible for the classic 993 generation 911. He's also responsible for that GT1 race car we talked about and also the Carrera GT production car, another Porsche classic vehicle. And so we'll be having that up on um, YouTube and on the Road Scholars website uh, on Saturday morning. So if folks are interested in and watching that, just go on to the Road Scholar's website or onto their YouTube channel, and you can see that. I often have the link in my bio on Instagram as well for people that like to tune in and watch that way. Ray.Shafer is where I post that.
0: Okay, super. super. Um, take us back to when you were, let's just say, a, a neophyte. What, when did you first uh, kind of get caught by the bug, the car bug, and, and what was it like for you and kind of how did it evolve? You know, it's always an interesting story. It's very similar. A lot of people have a similar story. But let's hear yours.
3: Well, thank you. You know, it's, it is. it is. So my, my folks tell me that my first word was car. Okay. So I said that before mom or dad. So I, there's probably other car people out there who have the similar story. So I said car and little toy cars and playing around, what have you. But uh, getting older, if you will, to the part where it probably gets more interesting, um, I can remember my dad was always... Uh, fixing up cars for him to drive over the winter. And then he would drive that through the summer and then sell it in the fall and fix up another car. And I'm talking about cars like Volkswagen Beetles, Volkswagen Rabbits, things like that. Nothing nothing exotic. Um, and so we did a lot of Beetles. And I remember when I was probably about 9 or 10 years old riding my bike in, in our neighborhood, and I went down the street, and our neighbor had a garage door open, and inside, sideways, I could see the profile of what looked like a Beetle, but there was something different about it. I wasn't sure what it was, but it just didn't, it looked cooler than the Beetles that I was used to. And so I went in for a closer look and uh, found out that I was looking at a 356. And the owner of the car, our neighbor, sort of walked me through the whole thing there. And so from that point forward, I had really gotten interested in cars. And then one day, my uncle shows up at our house with his station wagon and had just come from uh, a house sale. And he said that uh, in the back of the station wagon is a bunch of car magazines. If you want to get them out of the car and take them into your room, you can have them. And so I did. I took them inside. And it turns out that he had found a complete set. This was in the mid-1980s. So he had a complete set of road and track magazines that somebody had sold him. And so he gave them to me, I took them into my room, and I organized them in chronological order, and that became my childhood. Instead of going outside and playing football or baseball with the other kids, I was paging through every one of those road and track magazines, and I was learning about people like Peter Gregg and Hurley Haywood and all the great classic cars of the day and of the brass era and all the racing that was going on in in Europe, Formula One, and uh, that, was, that was where it really started for me. And so from there, I just I just kept on going. And I've kept that collection. I actually still have it today, and I've had my subscription. So it, it's complete. It goes all the way up to this month.
0: Well, now that's interesting. Um, and I'm going to probably say, so then, where you're at right now in your career is probably like almost a dream come true. I mean, you're working, being a Porsche fanatic, and then being involved with yeah. you know Porsche management and uh, from a Porsche classic standpoint and then curator of a, of a basically yeah. a magazine uh, uh a museum and then being able to put on these presentations <laughs> that's got to be that's the epitome I mean you know and you and you were at Brumos which is really kind of like the premier Porsche dealership probably not only in the southeast probably around the country okay at least but definitely for sure on the east coast and then with this racing legacy its connection with Porsche i mean you've had a stellar mm-hmm. stellar career and you've just gone on this linear progression to to like a job that people would uh, would, would 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 die for i mean amazing
3: yeah yeah i don't I actually don't like to talk about it too much because i don't want other people throwing their name in the hat for it but uh <laughs> But you're absolutely right. It is a blessing, and and I love every minute of it uh, to help build the brand of what Porsche Classic is and is becoming. Uh, and classic owners will see more and more of that in the years to come in the form of support for their classic cars, so they can keep them on the road and driving. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always been involved and interested in business as well as the racing end of it and the history end of it. So when you when you bring that all together, um, of course, one of my mentors. Uh, And great friend was the late Bob Aiken. And he's the one that introduced me to Bob Snodgrass, which is how I came to work at Brumo's Porsche. I mean, I knew what Brumo's Porsche was all about well long before I worked there. And to go to work there and work alongside people like Bob Snodgrass and Hurley Haywood, uh, it was just an incredible experience. And, uh, you know, as an inspiring uh, racer at the time, and of of course I'm talking 20 years ago, it was the perfect place to be. And so, uh, you know, I was able to be involved in a lot of what was going on there, from both the business side of it, and the racing side. I worked my way up from a salesman, the sales manager, and eventually general manager uh, before leaving and coming to Porsche. And so, really had a chance to grow in that position. The the company was very, um, very much about growing talent from within. So I was very fortunate to the ownership, both Bob Snodgrass and Dan Davis. And uh, yes, I mean just wonderful mentors and people in it and it does just kind of show you that in the community that we're in the automotive community it's definitely a hobby but it's also a heck of an industry and there's there's an an obligation there to to share it I feel and to help out others much like I was helped out and it, sometimes it's just by sharing the passion of it because then people realize that they can take what they love so much about cars and be involved in it. I mean, it's really a lot like what you're doing with your radio show, going on, what, nine years now? Ten. You've
0: been doing ten years. Show? Yeah, ten years. So,
3: Congratulations. That's great.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we just had our anniversary show here about a month or so ago, and Bill Warner was our guest. And, uh, you know, Bill, you know Bill very well. Uh, wow. Obviously, Amelia Island. And super guy, yeah. uh, just knows everybody. And just a huge Porsche guy himself. Let me ask you this. So because yeah. of the... Let's just say the interest in Porsche, particularly classic Porsche's, the demand for the restoration mm-hmm. side of it, the 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 parts that we need to put these old cars because I'm a diehard three fifty six guy. Um, was, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. was that was that kind of like uh, because Porsche Classics hasn't been around, but like you said, maybe five or six years now, or maybe a little just a hair longer. But do you think that that Porsche classic, because we had Ferrari Classic and some of the other many actually some of the factories would kind of restore cars on the side. If you had a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, or an Aston Martin or something like that. But Porsche Mm -hmm. Classic, kind of the demand, I don't want to say force, but basically kind of inspired Porsche to say, all right, you know what, maybe we look at these classic cars a little bit more seriously because the enthusiasm is substantial. Porsche Classic has a lot of potential. Let's, Let's make that happen. Is that kind of how the story went?
3: Well, you know, the, the restoration of the cars had been going on for some time, and, and I don't have an exact, I want to say somewhere around the, the 2007 as far as the oh, okay. current form that, um, that you know it today. Uh, but even that, even that is changing. And, yeah, I mean, Porsche does it a little bit differently because uh, we have dealer partners, and our dealer partners is, is a great network of, of very enthusiastic um, Porsche people. And, but the, the classic business is a, is very special in its nature. As you know, it's very different from working on a car that's uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. Uh, it, it poses different challenges than what a newer late model car may. And so a dealer that's involved in that really has to want to be involved and have the passion around it and the desire because it can be very time consuming. And so we look to we look to help that situation out. Obviously, you mentioned the the parts supply, genuine parts uh, that fit the cars properly, that work right the first time, that's where everything starts for us. And not only are those parts available through Classic Partners and factory authorized dealerships, but those parts also come through a lot of the uh, independent local shops that are out throughout the United States, actually all over the world. And we even have um, the Porsche Classic Parts catalog on a system called PartsLink24.com, maybe maybe you've heard of it, but um, you can shops can actually uh, access this, and the fulfillment and everything comes through the dealer, but it goes right to the to the shop, so that they're able to get the parts that they need to do the work to help keep the cars on the road. And so it's really about making sure that the, the parts are out there for the owners of the cars because we want to keep the history driving on the road. You know, we, we don't need all these cars parked in a museum all the time. They, they're built to be driven and that's really where they belong. So, you know, you take, you take something like the 356 that you mentioned that you love and from 1948 to 1965, there's over 77,000 of those were produced. And when it comes to available unique part numbers, we currently offer over 2,100 unique parts just for that model car. And, the car range, as I mentioned earlier, goes from 356 all the way up to Carrera GT. So right now, it's it's well over 52,000 parts that are in the catalog. And every year, our team in Stuttgart doing product research and development, reissues. And we're adding back in two to 300 new parts every year, so that it just keeps on growing. And, uh, yeah, it's very important that we do that in order to help keep the cars on the road where they belong.
0: Where do you see the market with classic, not only Porsches, but cars in general? I mean, you know, we got a younger generation we're trying to get involved in these cars. You met my son at Amelia Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby's in the. Uh, mm-hmm. we, actually, I have a 356. Yep. We have a 356 project car we're doing together besides my own. And uh, so, he, but my son's influenced yeah. by me, you know, because that's he grew up in that environment. And we're trying to get more and more yeah. people. So, how does that affect the future of how Porsche perceives? Where Porsche Classic is going to be today, and let's say ten years from now.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a family deal. There's no question about it. I mean, it's um, that again. Again, it's the passion. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. help not share it with your family. If, if your if your son or daughter, uh, you tell can, takes a um, takes a shine to it, then by all means, you know you're you're doing everything you can to uh, do that together. And so we see that we see that a lot. Um, i i go to a lot of events where I see father son, father daughter, mother son, mother daughter, all kind of connections like that. Um and of course it's generational. We were talking about the Ray Halls, obviously, mm-hmm. between his dad in the sixties and and him in the seventies and and his son Graham today. Mm-hmm. Uh IndyCar star today is very much in the portion. So, you know, it's it's a generational deal for sure. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh it's fading in any way. I mean the passion for the cars are there. I see a lot of um, I see a lot of young people interested in the 356s. Um, they're you know they're easy cars to learn and work on. Uh, and then there's just there's some folks out there too that um, because electronics and software are very talented electronically, and so the newer cars don't really phase them when it comes to uh, tackling something like a later 911 or a 928. Uh, so there's all different levels of interest out there. And we, on the Porsche Classic side, we really just want to support that, make sure that the parts and the tools and the information is out there. Our website, the current version of it, um, is changing almost daily. Uh, but we keep adding more and more to it. Porsche Classic, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Porsche Classic, PorscheUSA.com slash classic. Huh. Um, if you look that up, it's a PorscheUSA.com. Classic. Uh, if you take a look in there, you'll see all the different information about uh, parts explorers and things of that nature. But we even uploaded the color books that were in the dealerships back in the 50s and 60s and oh. 70s. So if you want to reference the colors, you can go in there and find that historical documents and data that's in there. So there's a there's a lot to share and there's a lot to learn. But uh, again. To the podcast point, that's why we call it deep tracks. Depends on on what track you want to get on. If it's the 356 or the 911 or 928, there's a lot that you can go down and learn. And we try to provide as much as we can. Of course, you can't do it all at once, so we're constantly building it and adding it and making it better and better
0: we got a minute or two left. Why don't you tell people, our listeners, if they want to experience the Porsche experience in Atlanta, and there's also one on the West Coast, by the way, mm-hmm. um, how do they go about That's doing right. it? And, and real quick and short, how long does it take to go through the whole program?
3: Well, there's there are many different programs you can experience when you're at one of the PECs. And you're right, we have the PEC here in Atlanta. We have the one in L.A., which is in Carson, not far from the airport uh, in LAX. But uh, if you go to PorscheDriving.com, then you'll find not only the PECs on there, but also the track experience, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. And on the website, you can see all the different experiences that are on there, from everything from the, the track driving experiences to fine dining. Here in Atlanta, we have Restaurant 356 and Carrera Cafe, and we have a sim lab. Uh, now, right now, there's obviously limited... Uh, openings because of the um, the new rules and regulations that we have to adapt and work under. But uh, you can go on there. There's tours. Uh, you can see everything that there is to do, and you can schedule it all online. That's actually how you have the appointment to come into the building. But um, the main thing is get behind the wheel of one of the new Porsches. You can drive everything from the from the Boxster 718s all the way up to the new Taycan electric car and experience it yourself because there's no better way to experience than. A Porsche, and behind the wheel yourself.
0: Uh, real quick, we got about twenty seconds left. How much does it cost if I want to yeah. go up there and I want to do this by myself or with a, you know individually?
3: Yeah, I don't. I I have to look at it. I, I want to say that the uh, it starts between three fifty and four hundred dollars for the ninety minute drive experience, mm-hmm. and the um, it depends on the model car that you drive. But when you're driving the car, you're behind the wheel the entire time. There's no extended classroom session. Your instructor is right behind you. Uh, we used to do them side-by-side side inside the car, but for social distancing now, we actually have a lead follow. Wow. And they're talking to you the entire time. Every every person driving a car has their own private instructor.
0: Super, super. And again, one more time for our listeners, to it's Porsche Cars of North America, and the driving experience is in Atlanta, Florida, and they can find all that information online, correct?
3: Yeah, PorscheDriving.com. And then for the classic information, that is PorscheUSA.com slash classic.
0: Sounds good. Well, Ray, I want to thank you very much. Um, uh, big shout-out to our friends over there, at Barber Motorsports, because that's where the, some of the driving goes on for the Porsche guys. And, um, but I want again, I That's want to thank right. you very much for coming on the show this evening. Uh, wish you luck in your podcast. Wish you luck with Porsche Classic. And, uh, I hope to get up there when all this thing blows over. I'd like to get up there and experience the Porsche experience myself in Atlanta.
3: I look forward to giving the backstage pass when you're up there. So you just let me know, Robert. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon.
0: Very good. I want to thank my very special guest this evening, Ray Schaefer with Porsche Classic in Atlanta. And, uh, the uh, Heritage Gallery at the Porsche Experience at Porsche Cars of North America in Atlanta and uh, Ray you take care and uh, all my listeners don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Talk Radio Network don't forget to tell your friends to tune in as well because if you want to find out where some of the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports are and of course music too from time to time check us out right here And uh, if you want to find out more about what's going on with uh, Gulfstream Motorsports, go to our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget, uh, you can see all, or I shouldn't say see here, all the past shows at NostalgicRadioAndCars.com. Yes, go to FloridaCarShows.com. You can find out what's going on in Florida. Hopefully, I'll see you guys at some of the car shows. See you on the road, somewhere between here and uh, Citrus County, Lake County, out in the country there, maybe tooling around Mount Dora. I want to see everybody burn some rubber. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.